Good morning to everyone, morning to Crossword, morning to anybody else who may be listening in this morning. I want to greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And my prayer today, as in one sense always, is that you may grow and abound in grace and in peace that come from God our Father, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and the working of the Holy Spirit. We are gathered here uh, in one sense, uh, around God's Word this morning, uh, in a very special day for us as Christians. Uh, we call it Good Friday, uh, the day when we believe that uh, Jesus Christ has changed uh, our lives and our destinies uh, forever. And so this morning I want to share with you uh, a couple of words from the book of Hebrews. Um, and so let's turn to that, and I'm going to read it for us. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. What an incredible passage. The book of Hebrews starts out with this incredibly lofty high view of the Lord Jesus Christ and yet the entire book basically looks at one small little phrase it spends most of the time almost 10 chapters out of the 13 chapters it spends on this little phrase he had provided purification for sins that is the heart of the message uh, of the cross that's the heart of the message of Good Friday um, and this morning I want us to have a quick look at basically three concepts that we find here. First, the He, and we'll have a quick look and see how the book of Hebrews sets him up. Provided purifications, and then for sins. So let's have a look at those three concepts, and we kind of play them all together. But the book starts out by reminding us of about who the He is that has done this great thing that is going to spend so much time on explaining to us and why that is so important. In verses 2 to 4 of this chapter, uh, we are mentioned probably nine, ten times, depending on how you look at it, ten different aspects of concepts or angles on who this glorious person is who has provided purification for sins. We are told that he is the Son of God and that he is the last one who has spoken clearly about God. He is the full word of God, in other words. Uh, he is the one who is the heir of all things. All things belong to him. All things are his by right, by the appointment of God. The Father, uh, He is the one who, to whom the universe was made. He is the creator of all things. Um, so He is an enormous uh, person. Uh, he is the one that is the radiance of God's glory. He is the sun rays of the sun of the Father. He shows the brilliance and the glory of the Father. And He is the exact representation of His being. He is the, the character, or as we would say, He has been carved out to be a representation of the very person of God. Uh, 
uh, if you want to know God the Father, you need to look at God the Son. He is the exact representation. You catch the fullness of the Father uh, when you look at the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He sustains all things by His life-giving, powerful Word. He upholds all things. He gives life to all. He gives life to us. He is the reason why we are here this morning. And then he tells us he's made purification for sins, which we're going to come back to. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on a high or in heaven, as our translation says. Uh, he is exalted um, after his great work. And so he is far greater than anybody else. He's far greater than any other angel. And that he spends a couple of chapters on to explain to us that he is the greatest of all the sons of God. And he is therefore superior to them all. But this morning we want to have a look at what is it that he has provided? This enormous, this incredible God, this person who upholds all things, he has taken an unbelievable interest in us. And he has come to provide purification for sins. Now I do think our context really helps us to understand uh, something of the magnitude and the implications of that little word purification. Uh, the word really can also be translated as washing away. That is the reality of our world today, isn't it? Uh, we are separated from one another this morning because we are to wash ourselves and we are to keep ourselves uh, away from one another, social distancing. Uh, washing away our hands all the time. You get that message over the radio, you get it over the TV, you get it uh, on uh, uh, WhatsApp clips um, again and again and again and again. The absolute necessity of washing your hands, of washing everything, making sure that you are not contaminated or that you may not be the reason to contaminate. So we really, in one sense, I take and understand that word uh, because we share in the experience of that reality uh, in our lives today. Uh, with the things that goes with it, we are in lockdown. We are, in one sense, uh, separated against our will from doing and going where we really would like to do and what we would really like to go and, uh, and live. And so we are, in one sense, I take it, in a kind of a slavery. And we are aware that this virus, this coronavirus, uh, doesn't only infect you, um, it can also lead to your death. And that is the kind of the context of the reality of what we find when we start to look at how the Bible describes our great need. Our great need, above all needs, is our need to be purified, to actually be purified from another kind of virus, as I, if I may use that language, the virus called sin. It itself is everywhere. It is unseen. It is not something that you can spot from a distance. It is something that can affect you, and uh, it is something that can lead to death. And actually, that is the great difference between sin and the coronavirus. You may get the coronavirus, you may get it in a very severe uh, way, and it may lead you to death. Sin, on the other hand, uh, is something you have, and it will lead to death, and it will lead to separation. And that is why the great need of every human being is to be purified from this terrible, terrible disease called sin. And that is exactly what this glorious Son of God, this representation of God's being, this uh, showing forth of His glory uh, has come to do. He has come to bring about the purification of sins. Now, 
I think, again, what is fascinating is as you read the scriptures and as you read this thing, our relationship to the coronavirus and our relationship to sin um, has got similarities, as I've just pointed out, but it also has enormous differences. And the one difference I take is that no one wants the coronavirus. Um, no one really uh, wants that virus. Uh, it is something that we um, are aware of and we are trying to avoid it as best as we possibly can, which makes it really interesting because sin, on the other hand, is a much more complicated uh, relationship we have with sin. Uh, yes, there are times when we absolutely hate sin, when we want to have nothing to do with it, when we want to not experience it ourselves and we don't want anybody else's sin to come upon us. Uh, that's when we hate sin. But unfortunately, our relationship to sin is so complicated that there are times that we love to do it. We love to do what we want to do as long as we believe it doesn't hurt anybody else. And so we have this incredible hate-love relationship. We willingly sin, and uh, we also sometimes unwillingly sin. Sometimes we can't help ourselves but just to follow our own heads and do our own thing. And at other times we gladly choose to do whatever we want to do. And so that it makes it quite more complicated. How do you wash away something that we at times want and uh, pursue and at other times we don't want and we don't like and we would love somebody to come and do something about it? Which is often the case, isn't it? When somebody else sins against us, we are crying for justice and we're crying that it must be dealt with and it must be sorted out. But when we sin, uh, we minimize it, we excuse it, uh, we explain it away. Um, and when we can't, then we cry for mercy. We very seldom cry for justice uh, when we sin. And so the scriptures tells us that our greatest problem in sin is not just really what we do uh, with our own lives and uh, the fact that we may harm other people around us. The real heart of sin is what makes it so insidious and what makes it so glorious that He, the Son of God, God Himself, the representation of God, has come to deal with it. Because sin is personal. It is a personal affront to God. It's a rejection of the reality and the personhood of God Himself. Now, that is why sin is such a terrible thing. It says to God who has made all things, who upholds all things, who cares for all things, who sustains all things, that, um, listen, we don't want you and uh, we don't like you, and we want to do, and we want to give recognition to you, and we uh, feel like it, uh, but really we want to live our lives our own way. And so sin in that sense is incredibly personal, and it's incredibly negative, and it has got great consequences as it eventually expresses itself against one another. And that is why the glorious message of Easter is that Jesus Christ came into this world and became one of us to actually conquer it. And that's where the purification comes in. So sin really starts with not believing that God is as good as He is and that I can, on a moment, in a moment, decide for myself what is good and what will lead to life and flourishing. And God says, no, you don't have that capacity. Uh, and that's what makes sin so terrible. It is a rejection of God's wisdom. It's a rejection of His goodness. And it's a placing of myself central to life. Um, and that's why Christ came. He says, listen here, you have been created. And you've been created by God. And you've been created to have a relationship with God and to know and to learn and to experience what it means to know God in all His fullness. And that's what I've come to do. I've come to take away all of your sin. And so the way in which He purifies us is absolutely fascinating and uh, incredible. He couldn't just come and use a lot of water or a lot of soap or do it for 20 seconds or do it for 20 years. 
He literally had to come and be like one of us. Entered our world as a human being and experienced everyday life as we experience everyday life with all of its challenges, with all of its limitations, with all of its temptations, with all of its hurt, with all of its bad, with all of its beauty and all of its glory. And in all of that, he lived like one of us. And yet, at every turn and point, whenever there was a moment, his first choice was always to give recognition and full love to God the Father. And so that's what the text tells us, that he came to be one of us. He was made a little lower than the angels like us. He took on flesh and blood. He took on our lives. He took on our context. He came and stood where we are standing. And he came to live and chose willingly not to indulge in his capacity as a human to make his own decisions, but choose willingly, constantly, at every moment, to acknowledge and give glory to God. And in that way, Hebrews tells us more than once that he was made perfect through that faith in God expressing itself in obedience. So that he always loved God with all of his heart and his soul and his mind and his strength and his neighbor as himself. And in that way, Jesus Christ kind of took on the virus of sin in one sense and conquered it by never succumbing to its suggestions, and to its promises, and to its devastations. And that is how Jesus Christ came. But he went one step further. He then went to the cross and took upon himself that sin. And in Hebrews, again and again and again and again, it says he once for all offered up his life as a sacrifice of atonement. Once for all he brought eternal redemption as he gave himself in death to experience the penalty of sin for us and so he conquered the power of sin through his obedience and he conquered the penalty of sin through his death and so as the text tells us after he has made this purification for sins he was raised up and is now seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven dear brothers and sisters friends the incredible thing is is that Jesus Christ knows exactly what we need above all things. Like in this time, what you need is not to be contaminated. The reality is we are all have been contaminated by sin. And Jesus Christ has stepped into this world and has said, listen, I am the only one who can conquer this. And he did. He conquered it at every turn and point, And ultimately, he went to his death so that he may pay the penalty for our sin. And that is what Easter in one sense is all about. Now more than ever we can understand that as you come to Christ, you no longer need to fear the power of sin. You no longer need to fear the penalty of sin. You don't no longer need to be in the slavery of the fact that death will have the final say. Because Christ has died and because he was perfect, death could not hold him. And he was raised again. That's why he is the person that I want to commend to you this morning. As you think about your life, as you think about the odd relationship you have with sin, the power it has over you, and the reality that the Word of God tells us over and over again that the penalty for sin is death. It is inescapable, except through the Lord Jesus Christ.
brothers and sisters, turn your eyes upon and look upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Examine his life. Read the book of, the, of Hebrews. See for yourself that he understands you better than anybody else. He knows exactly what it is like to be tempted. He knows what it is to be overwhelmed. He knows what it is to think that you know better than God. And yet, he did not succumb to that temptation. He conquered it. And he paid the penalty for your failure already. Something you could never change. You may change your mind and do the right thing for the moment. But what do you do about the wrong that you've already committed? And so the Lord Jesus Christ said, I have come to provide purification for sins. I've entered your world. I know what it is like. I've been faced with everything that you are faced as a human being in your relationship to God and to other human beings. And I did not succumb. I did not give in. And so my death I give to you as the gift of all gifts. The gift that can remove the contamination of the power and the penalty and the reign of sin. Come to me and you will have life. Put your hand in my hand and you will live, even when you die. Dear brothers and sisters, friends, I commit to you this one, the Son of God, the heir of all things, the maker of the universe, the exact representation of God's being, the outshining, the radiance of God's glory, the one who upholds all things by his powerful word. He is the one who came to give you the forgiveness of sins, the purification of sins, to remove the contamination that is in our wills and in our hearts at a much deeper level than any other contamination. And he says, come to me and I will give you life. I am seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. I am the one who will give you life eternal. Put your trust in me. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, if you've never thought about that, now that you may be aware of it in one sense as we share some similar experiences to being in slavery and in fear of death and being fear of being contaminated, maybe you want to turn and ask the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice me too, please. And I give my life into your hand. And if you've done that, brothers and sisters, I pray, as I did in the beginning, I hope that your, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has given you even more peace, more assurance, more comfort in this time that we are separated. But you can never be separated from Him. And so my prayer is that you will trust Him. My prayer is that you will walk with Him. My prayer is that you will love Him because He has loved you first. And He has come and He has made purification for sin once for all. Never to be repeated. Never needed to be repeated. So put your trust in Him. Rest in Him. And in this Easter day when we can't even have a meal together, I pray that as you have your meal together, maybe by yourself or maybe with some friends, know that Jesus Christ is there. Thank Him that he has provided you with everything you need for life and godliness. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the wonder of the goodness of Good Friday. It is really a good day because it is the day that we remember that Jesus Christ willingly 
perfectly, fully, after he has been purified and grown to perfection through his obedience, came and gladly, willingly contaminated himself with our sin, took it upon himself, and he broke its power. He paid the penalty. He sets us free. He makes us pure. He sets us apart. And, O oh Lord, I pray that every single human being on the face of this earth, as we are in one sense globally aware of the reality of contamination and fear and death and the need to be purified, Lord, I pray that your word will go out. I pray that the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that he has come and he has made purification for sins may ring out. And I pray that every heart may be convicted of its need and of its inability to deal with this infection. There is nothing and no one that can overcome this infection. And so, Lord, I pray and I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you may indeed grant grace in abundance to people so that your peace in abundance may overflow into their lives. And that one day when you come again, Lord, there will be a rejoicing, even that this time has led to many, many, many discovering and putting their trust in you. And so, Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, thank you for... Uh, looking and contemplating the glory and the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ with us. May God keep you. May God make his face to shine upon you. And may God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, give you a peace that transcends all understanding. Have a good day. See you again.